This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You can't just say it's not good to be angry because if you don't get angry, you're, you're not alive you're not experiencing the world you have to feel anger at some points because it's justified but the the negativity from the anger is no good for anybody so I've learned to almost it's like a distillation process like cheese making or making butter or (laughs) remove the negativity from it and that's the discarded way and I keep the passion Welcome to Women Are Mad, where we invite women to bring their anger into everyday conversation. I'm Salima Saxton, I'm an actress and writer. I'm Jennifer Cox, and I'm a psychotherapist. We noticed that anger is the one emotion that women aren't allowed to openly express. Meanwhile, everything around us is making us absolutely furious. We're all feeling it. Let's get together to work out what to do with it. So... In the spirit of what this podcast is about, it felt important to share a message with you all at this time of the year, holiday season. As a therapist, I can assure you that most people are having a pretty complicated time, despite what the John Lewis ads suggest. We know how much for women, especially expectations and demands increase. And we also know that it can feel incredibly lonely and that ghosts of regret and longing are want to come knocking. This is so depressing. (laughs) Okay, can I I interrupt? Can I interrupt in this? I I wholeheartedly support all that you're saying, but, you know, there are going to be pockets of joy. Are are there? Yes, yeah. I mean, even if it's by yourself. Oh, there's a Doctor Who special. yes. There's potential for for hiding under blankets in cupboards. There's there's loads of stuff. Okay, now it's sounding good. I find Christmas to be a really beautiful time where even if you don't have a traditional sense of family with you, you remember. Or maybe don't celebrate Christmas. Let's just call it. Festive time. Festive season. Festive holiday season. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder of all that you do have or have the potential to have. I agree very much on this score. And the kind of rounding off of the year is yeah. definitely everybody can have a think about what that means and what next year could bring for you. Yeah, and look, I think December is a great time as opposed to January um, when there's all the pressures of like new year, new you, you know, reinvent yourself. 
Mm. Um, lose half your body weight or all the things that are kind of these crazy short-term solutions to everything. December is actually a really gentler way of like Catherine May's brilliant book that I would highly recommend, Wintering. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that book. And I think it's, uh, we all need to be like hedgehogs. Yeah, fallow season. Mm, Fallow season. Mm. Yes, exactly. Um, And embrace that because humans need to recuperate and rest even that even if your rest doesn't look anything like my rest Mm. um we all need to do a bit of that so the festive season as you say is a great time for that so that means in a sense that if people can as far as possible shut themselves away a bit from all the demands put up some boundaries i love donna ashworth's festive boundaries idea yes brilliant because maybe it was a really tough year and maybe this time especially is hard. But um, I think you're right. If you take view that it's it's about just hunkering down and having a nice think and maybe planning for what next year. Or don't think. And also don't think. If you can get out of your head and don't think and just take a break from the thinking for a little bit, pause where you can, if that is possible in any way, whatever your pause looks like. I think sometimes an absence of thinking can be brilliant, Ooh. as says the overthinker supreme here. Mm. I, I know I can tie myself in knots. Well, by... maybe we should set ourselves a challenge to inspire mm. listeners, which is mm. we're going to try to switch off our overactive brains for at least a couple of days. Okay. yeah yeah I will try so our guest today is a very special woman she sculpts her vulnerability into words and shares those words with others to make them feel a lot less alone meet the Sunday Times best-selling writer who's put poetry back into the playbook welcome the sensational Donna Ashworth good morning good morning thank you for being here Oh, you're, thank you for asking me. Um, Donna, let's just get straight into it. And I was just rereading one of your beautiful lines about one day there being an army of furious older women who will take over the world and that you want to be there at the front. So when that happens, and let's, please God, that happens soon. <laughs> what, what makes you angry? Uh, I mean... As I get older, the anger that I feel is what what I like to do is remove the <clears throat> the negativity from the anger and keep the the passion. Mm. So obviously, the negativity from your anger does no good for anybody. I mean, it only you know it only erodes you. But the passion from that anger is really important. You know why? Why are you angry? You can't just say it's not good to be angry because if you don't get angry, you're you're not alive. You're not experiencing the world. You're not seeing what's going on in front of your eyes. You have to feel anger at some points because it's justified. But that the, the, the negativity from the anger is no good for anybody. So I've learned to 
almost it's like a distillation process you know where I remove like cheese making or making butter or <laughs> I remove mm. the negativity from it and that's the discarded way and I keep the passion and the passion gets fueled in, in, a, in a very positive way or, or a cathartic way mm. um, to go towards the things that are important and then you've got to filter out the small fights the dramas and you've got to distinguish between what are the important fights what are the fights that will matter that do matter that are going to continue to matter and what is drama what is something that I am distracting myself with mm. so um so there's a lot of processing to, to be done with my anger before it even gets to um to see the light of day but what makes me angry the things that shoot make me angry injustice and unfairness and inequality and um the way that the world is set up for the success of the successful um all of the things that should really make any normal average human heart mm. angry donna do you think um and you you said this so beautifully about distilling the anger into a, into a force. And actually, Jen always speaks about this: um, how that anger can be such a positive force if we take the real essence of it, yeah. and it can be a propulsion in our lives rather than something that makes us stagnant. Um, with your beautiful writing, that I'm sure all our listeners will have heard at pivotal moments in their lives. Mm. Be it marriages funerals i i've been thinking of your words recently i'm breathing somebody at the moment and i've been using your words in the last few weeks do you think anger for you gets interspersed into some of your writing and how did you even start your writing do you think anger might have been part mm. of the fuel of that or your reaction to the world yeah absolutely uh, oh, yes to all of that. I mean, I've always been quite an angry person. Mm. But, you know, when I was younger, oh, I'm a redhead. I'm fading as years go by. But I used to get told that you are fiery. It must be your fault. You've caused this argument because you're a fiery redhead. And I'm an Aries. So I was further told that, well, you're a redheaded Aries. You may as well stand up in the middle of the room and self-combust. <laughs> <laughs> and to top all of that, I do have that personality. I'm always at one extreme. I've never been somebody who, who, you know, who just rolled through life very on a level. I've always been angry or sad or happy or, you know, so... Um, there was a lot to be done with if you've got that kind of personality, if that's how you're showing up in this world, there's a lot to be done to manage that for everyday life, other people's expectations, and just so that you're 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 not living a, an absolute drama every day. Yes. So I had to start at a very early age sort of realizing what made me angry, why I reacted like that, and how, and at that time, sadly. I was changing myself to fit yeah. so that I didn't rub people up their own way and people didn't write me off or go, oh, Donna, you know, but I experienced a lot of that as a child. Mm. I, it you makes know. me think actually about how damaging it is. And I do bang on about this a lot. Um, 
how damaging it is that families cast us into roles and and the you know the um the violence of that really because once you're in that once you've sort of been aggressively pinned in that way like you were well, i mean it is a you're this and that's that's who we're going to relate to you as you don't you're backed into a corner you don't have any sort of agency to do anything differently and it almost creates it in you and and even as an adult when people and it's coming up now the holiday season and i've just written a poem about festive boundaries and how i love that triggering it is to go back into family situations where you regardless of your age or the family of your own that you have or what you've done with your life you instantly feel triggered to behave like that 11 year old self and and how common that is and for me it wasn't so much my family I'm very blessed with the dynamics of my inner circle family for me it was society and school and friendship circles and you know adults within that system who sort of didn't know me took one look at me and said well you're clearly a handful therefore um but I think it's something that we all experience and we all still do you know I try Mm -hmm. really hard not to with my kids But we all fall into the trap every now and again where you go, oh, my eldest is and my youngest is the one. Mm -hmm. And actually, we must veer away from saying, from, you know, defining them by Mm -hmm. one of their personality traits. But it's the one that the world wants you to give up. So they want to know which one is good, which one's naughty, which one's loud, which one's quiet. Yeah, they want the little stereotypical label. They better place them for themselves. Yeah, it's about them. And sometimes we conform and give them what they want. We say, oh, yeah, he's the loud one. Um, And I hear myself doing it every now and again. And I think, oh, why have I just done that? It's more about me than it is about them. It's me wanting to please that person and give them. But this is what I think you do so well in your writing is this is you discuss the tussle that endless tussle between you know who we are to the outside world who we are to ourselves and that and that eternal conflict and trying to get that right and also the pleasing i think that's such a good point donna i have caught myself and i continue to catch myself joking really if I'm being really frank at my children's expense to make light of a situation or to kind of try and deal with it or he's like this she's like this and actually I'm glad that we've spoken today because it reminds me it does them a great disservice Um, and it's uh, and it's you know it harks back to that old part of us that just tries to fit in and we know that we shouldn't fitting in because that's where it all goes horribly wrong when we try and fit in but it's easier it's easier to just give them what they want in one little comment and then walk away but I'll tell you something that makes me really angry and to this day I haven't worked out a way to distill it (laughs) is when I hear and I heard it two days ago in the supermarket I saw a beautiful young couple with a new baby and an an older person came up, not too old, not old enough that you can say that's of your generation. And, you know, there's no point in you changing your your thoughts there. But they said, and is she good? 
And I walked by with my with my basket and I lingered and I was so drawn to just go, of course she's not good. She's three weeks old. What the fuck does that mean? If she's in pain, she'll cry. If she's hungry, she'll cry. If she's scared, she will cry. None of these are behavioral, you know. But I didn't. I walked away. But it it boils my blood. It instantly boils. How we're conditioned from days old is yeah, she or is she bad and, and speaking as somebody who has worked really hard not to be a good girl and I've only managed just about <laughs> managed it in my 40s I, I feel that so strongly yeah. because I still catch myself and think no my response is because I want to be perceived as good or I ought to do that or they need me to do that and that's polite and that's appropriate but everything in my gut is saying run don't run. do it or it's yeah. awful here um it's taken yeah. a long time to train myself out of that and the shame when you feel like oh god i did it wrong oh god i upset them i was that bad thing yeah that, yeah, yeah the, you're I'm, left I'm grappling i'm getting a lot better with the shame i don't even entertain it anymore and i realize that I used to have such high standards and I wanted the world to see me in such a perfect way that the fear of getting that wrong was was almost crippling. And once I started to um, unravel that, it unraveled all by itself like a sock that was ready to fall apart in the washing machine. And I, I then had no control over it. Uh, and it was gone. And now I cannot find that shame that I used to feel when I messed up. That is wonderful. And also creatively, so, you know, I'm an actor, I'm a writer, and I have found that I, the minute I'm able to um, let go of that need for perfect, the need for perfection is, is, a, is a paralysis, right? Oh, so the need for- Death to creativity. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I've walked into rooms needing to be perfect and just bombed mm. because I was so desperate to give a certain- um, sense of myself or a certain read on a character or something. But the minute I've walked in or written something where I've just gone with the flow, the messiness of it all, mm. it's much better. <laughs> I know. And the need for for controlling how other people think about you is it's like a blockage. So if you if your talent flows, as most talents do, I think, then you're you're literally putting a blockage in the middle of that pipeline. Oh, you know, so if I'm reading poetry and I'm in a situation where the imposter syndrome grabs me and I think, what am I doing here? Why are these people listening to me? And who am I to tell? Then I cannot connect to that source of whatever that loveliness was that people were interested in in the first place. So you have to stay in yourself. You have to stay very authentic to that Get moment. out of your own way. Right. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. What, the thing that you're doing, it's not something that you're always controlling. It's something that you allow to happen. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not out of your own way, it's not actually happening, is it? It's it's forcibly being done and that's not where the magic is. Mm-hmm. So um, so I do myself a disservice by getting involved almost. Yeah. That ego side of yourself needs to to leave the room if I'm going to do a nice reading and people are going to feel something Mm. then none of those elements of me can be invited along they have to go 
Why do you think we've all fallen so in love with the words of Donna Ashworth? I think because they're really simple. And because from the very get-go, I say to myself, if I'm going to edit these, judge these, criticise these, read the nasty comments, then I am going to crumble as a human. Mm. I'm not strong enough. I'm not thick-skinned. I'm highly sensitive. So I made a little deal with myself that I would see each thing that I wrote a bit like this. It's done. Mm. I'll have a quick spell check and it's gone. And it no longer belongs to me, except that, you know, that's obviously part of my work. It's done. That message is on its own. Its life has begun in the world and people will either connect to it for their reasoning Mm. or they will not. And therefore, that's the end of that life and nothing. So you decide not to control it beyond that. I don't Mm. attach myself to it either. Mm. It's wonderful that it's my work and I can put it in a book and I can lay claim to it, but I don't attach my self-worth to it and I don't attach my um, peace to it. I see it as a separate thing. So I'm interested, you said about the comments. I can't imagine this with your work. but do I people, don't get any nasty comments. No. Do people ever respond angrily to your work? In the very beginning, before I had a, a following who have become so loyal and they've become like friends, um, th- there were not nasty comments, but there were your normal, you know, array of Facebook comments because that's where I was doing all of my work. And I can take criticism from a hundred miles but I cannot take a compliment in my face so I would seek out and read into the slightly negative comments so I thought right this is going to be miserable why would I want to do this and I, I set those ground rules for myself before I even had a book um, and I've stuck to them. It's one of the things I've really, really stuck to. I screenshot all the lovely comments that I want to keep, um, uh, or I ask people to put them in a review so that they remain there for you know for longev for longevity. But everything else I let go, um, and I don't think I could have done it without. It's so brave! What a brave decision! And it's making me think actually about how many women really talented women out there probably aren't able to do that like a lot of of what you chose to do in that moment meant that you could continue meant that you your words would continue to be heard you could easily have just gone this is unbearable i can't i can't do it and there's always going to be somebody better there's always better going right be better coming up whatever that means Mm. exactly there's people who will do exactly what you're doing um, for want of a better way of saying that. Um, so you cannot be involved in any of that um, thought process either. You have to... I wrote a poem and I wish I knew called... Um, I for, actually forget the name of the poem, but it's do not attach your self-worth to something that moves. Mm. So as women, we attach it to how you look. That's mm. going to move. Mm. Your size, that's going to move. Your relationship that's going to move, your career, that's going to move. All of these things are not solid. They will evolve. They will change. If you attach, if you say, I am Donna, I am the poet who is always a size 10 and I've got a great marriage. You know, you're you're, you're attaching yourself to, to tenets that, that will, can change at any mm-hmm. given moment. So mm-hmm. you have to find things to attach yourself worth to that, that are of the essence of you, that, you know, 
that will always be there. The fact that you're a seeker of kindness or, you know, the fact that you will laugh at any given opportunity or that you you get joy out of making people laugh. These things will never change. That's not going to change about you. What strikes me about you is that you seem to wear life beautifully, lightly, even though you're such a deep thinker mm, yeah. and that you're at peace with the fluidity of it all, which, again, is something that I'm really trying hard. Right. To, yeah. to, I to mean, you're, you're looking at 20 years of trying. and It's find, astonishing, really. Finally found some peace and found peace by accepting that there is no peace. And that if you can find peace in the fact that your day will be an absolute mishmash of all of it, mm-hmm. if you can accept that, then you that's where your peace comes in. Your peace is knowing that there is never actually any real peace and you have to you have to make peace for the moments. Speaking of peace, Donna, when did you last actually get angry, properly angry with something or someone? Hmm. Apart from in the supermarket, the other day. Yeah, that. mm, mm. My husband often makes me slightly angry. I wouldn't say angry, but the anger we're talking about here is that spark, you know, that fire, that passion for justice or being overlooked or being gaslit or being, you know, uh, assumptions being made of you. And whilst he's somebody who's I'm really grateful for the fact that he's an evolver. He's constantly trying to change in life and and enjoy it more and get better and be more, but, you know, without giving more of yourself away. But you know what I mean, the work, as Mm. we call it. Mm. Um, But he will occasionally say things, you know, that that might um, cast aspersion on the load, the mental load that women have on a daily basis that if we were to spend the time telling everybody about it we wouldn't have time to do the mental load so or anything else anything else (laughs) (laughs) so he will occasionally say oh you know I'm very busy because and then it's that whole what you haven't taken into consideration here is that you know Christmas is coming and that all falls on me we're we're lucky enough to be going away on holiday for a week before Christmas. That increases my workload hugely so that <laughs> everyone can relax. The the preemptive work that goes into that mm. and the post work that goes in mm. because you know, you know, all of that. Uh, whereas he shows up at his job every day. So he works and mines is 24-7, seven days a week. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm really grateful for this job that I have and the way I can fit it in with my life. But don't make the mistake of assuming that, you know, because I am finding peace with it, that means that somehow less. Right. And it's all interesting about busyness, isn't it, as well? The appearance of busyness. Jen and I have often talked about this, that um, we all as a society feel the need to tell everybody how busy we are. And the minute that we're busy, then we're valid and Mm. and then we're working hard and then we're appropriate and that we're doing well. But then this is the thing with being a woman where so much of what we do, you can't verbalise it. So. Because it would be impossible. It would be impossible. As you say, we wouldn't get anything else done. So I think, you know, when you say there are kind of two types of anger, there's this one at the injustice, and then there's this sort of almost like the daily grind, the the irritation and all of that. 
I think it's the same because I think for women, so much of what we're up against every day is the reality that we're not appreciated. These tiny but never ending activities and tasks that fall to us are completely invisible to everyone else, but they wear us down, they grind us down, and there is no recognition. And I think that does impact us. And I think it does lead to greater levels of anger, which we can't do much about. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of my time, and especially in my my relationship with my husband and my family, making sure that I do not have that to complain about anymore. So we se- we separated the tasks a few years ago and we and then we sat down yes. because I was tired of my husband not see so we sat down and I wrote a list of everything Mm. and um I wrote a list of everything that he does and I was really fair and I said what do you want to add to that what do you want to add to that and you know we tied everything up in that conversation money as well because Mm. people don't necessarily want to talk about it but it's a huge thing in relationships and marriage and who earns what and who does what Mm. if you take that out the, the weight off everybody's shoulders. So we we put it on these bits of paper and it went on and on and on and on and on. And it was only a few months later that my husband fell back into the trap. And I went and I got the bits of paper and I said, remember, do you remember which part of this list has changed? You know, and I made, and he was like, well, you're being silly now. No, no, I want you to <laughs> tell me. So we have, we've changed all of that. So now it's really fair. And I don't want to complain about it. I don't want to spend my life going, oh, my goodness, you should see what I've done this week. Mm, I want It's boring. I want to mm. be free of that. I want to be the person that goes, actually, you know, I've got loads of time to yeah, myself. Right. I've made it that way. Yeah. And, I, and I have made it that way. And it is possible. And I do have two kids and I do have a job and we do have two dogs. But, you know, um, I got a dog walker for four days of the week and best thing that we ever did mm. because it's it's just about weighing up what's important in your yeah. life. And it's the cost, isn't it? It's kind of cost of the dog walker. I know cost of, yeah, emotional. It actually costs you in time. And yeah. And 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 then it's letting go of the need to look like you're always the busy yeah. one. And they need to be, how does she do it? Oh my goodness, I get tired looking at her. You have to, it's like when I moved on from my eating disorder. It's like killing a best friend. It's like murdering a best friend, that eating disorder, that part of you is there for you through thick and thin. It becomes an alter ego. And you have to very brutally and viciously kill that person um and it's the same with this sort of busy 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 stressed frazzled how does she do it you know we cling to that because we know it means we're showing up right in the world we're doing it right women are supposed to look like that if i'm sitting down with a cup of tea all the time people will say well she's lazy she's what you know they will blame you for things that are maybe lacking that would have been lacking anyway because it's impossible Mm. so it's about not Knowing that people might think that about you, they might think you are lucky because you've got time yourself. They might think you are lazy. They might think you are selfish. Mm -hmm. From the outside in, they might Mm. think that and you have to let go of any care of what they might think of you. And it's 
What's coming up a lot today talking with you, and I'm really pleased this is coming a lot, is about the expectation of others and how they see you, not how you see yourself, how those eyes are looking at you. And in a way, how dare we? Why should we? Why waste the energy of like diving? I have a terrible habit of diving into other people's heads, like head first, right. all around, you know, <laughs> out exactly what they're thinking, why they're thinking that. And actually, what a waste of time when I could. And be- also, it's impossible. You can't possibly. Yeah. No, this yeah. is true. What you're doing is you're going into your own head. It's a little compartment of your head that you're putting in their head. And, you know, it's so well put. Yes. I I never think of that. It's not even Um, that, is it? You're writing stories that, you know, that you're writing. Mm. Uh, And then you're assuming and imagining that other people are, you know, are part of that story. And they don't even know that you're thinking about them. (laughs) It's mad. I mean, it is a form of madness. Can I ask you, um, Donna, sorry. uh, When has anger driven you to do something incredible? I mean, I think... You're writing. I mean, you're entirely. I think it has to be. I was sort of halfway through. I used to work in magazines, uh, which is which was a form of writing that I was doing quite a lot. They they were my own business, so I was never employed. Um, I created some magazines with friends and then abroad. So we we decided to have kids. We came back to the UK and we sold that company and we bought a children's play centre and. For about five years, it was perfect for the work-life balance. We could take the the kids with us. It's exactly what we wanted. We knew that the jobs that we had before would not allow for family time. But then about halfway through, and I'm, you know, I'm watching maybe five years in, I'm watching all these women come to every day with their kids and grannies and, you know, um, and the whole parenting thing was 24-7 because I was doing it and we were working in that industry. We never had to day off. It was Monday, you know, seven days a week. Soft place, you know, the play yeah. centres. Yeah, you did them, me and Jenny. And I just got <laughs> angrier and angrier and angrier about the way it was for women. Um, and uh, I, I just felt the need more and more and more to sort of hold my hand up and say, anybody else think this is ridiculous? So that's when I started ladiespassiton.com, which was going to be an online magazine. That was the name of my Facebook page before I changed it to my own name. And that was going to be a place for women to come together and have a chat, have a rant, get some solidarity, sisterhood. And and it wasn't until I started sharing more deeper. It started off with fitness and health and you know, funny things and and silly things, and um, and then it got deeper and deeper and deeper until I realised that actually I can't stop myself going deeper now that I've switched something on. Mm. But I was anonymous. It was called Ladies Pass It On. It looked like a group of women running this site. I used to say we when I introduced anything, and I found that the strength in that that nobody, apart from people who knew me, nobody knew it was me. So. Um, once that snowball started running down the hill and then I realised that, you know, I'm I'm going to chase this snowball. This is my snowball. I'm going to put my name to it and I'm going to go along for the ride and see what happens. So that was quite passion, anger driven. Mm. The whole thing, um, I just thought this is not enough for me. 
I can't go through this life pretending to be perfect with these ridiculous expectations. And one of the first things I wrote was about coming into midlife and realising it's time now. You're not going to do this twice. You're not going to live the second half mm-hmm. like you lived the first half. Come on, let's let's shake ourselves up here. You've got wisdom. You can see now. You've got big picture vision. And what are you going to do with that big picture vision? You can't go back once you've seen the whole painting. Yeah. So um, so that was very anger in that way driven. Mm. Mm. Wow. What you've touched on about midlife really resonates with me because seeing the big picture, seeing it all, calling out my own behavior with people over the years as well and, and what I've been accepting of, once you've done that, there is such great power in that, isn't there? Yeah. Really- then- Sorry, go on. No, no, that that's it. I just, I'm totally agreeing. And I feel like we have a responsibility, not in an expectation way that we're trying to get rid of, but in the opposite way, in an ancestral hundreds of thousands of years type way. These women that have gone before us mm-hmm. and they have laid the pathways and they dared to dream that we would live better. They, you know... I think of all the women in my you know, line going back and their friends and the women that loved by choice and not blood. And I think about what they would think of me and what I'm doing and what younger women coming up will think mm-hmm. of when they look at me. And that's not in a, I care what other people think of me way. It's in a real, what am I showing them? Am I showing mm-hmm. them what's real? Am I showing them authentic yeah. what it's like to live as a woman and am I showing them the way it can be or am I giving them another masked up version of you know the social media that they're seeing in their age group I don't want to be that I want to be an older woman that they can look at and go that looks good I like right. the look that like and it's so generous <laughs> it, it just feels as if what you're imparting is something so precious that actually you look around and and don't see you very often because there is so much masking. I see um, a lot of it now because, because my algorithms are trained for it. So you've once, got the real stuff coming in. Once you start looking and life's like that, set your algorithms, it will flood you with what it is that you need. And in life's the same. Once you set your intentions of what you want in, you'll be flooded with it. So I'm surrounded by women who are doing it. Yes. Oh, that's, you know, Donna, that is so true. Because then all the people start appearing, don't they? Yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah. like the look of you, follow. And but then- what a great analogy that it, it yeah. is in life as on social media. Yes. And of course it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Donna, could we invite you into our virtual rage room and we're handing you a baseball bat and we're going to um, place some objects of your choosing in your eyeline and you can whack it as you will. Um, So firstly, we're going to ask you to give us a current news item 
that makes you see that you would like to swing that bat at? When the world is a very badly wrong, I tend to go through a phase of muteness for a few weeks where I'm, I'm waiting on Superman flying in and fixing it because I cannot believe that it's happening daily. So obviously I'm referring to the the, the, the war situations mm. that are going on, which there is very little that I'm able to think about other than that at the moment. And I'm in that sort of helpless useless stage where I almost feel quite muted by the enormity of it and then that normally will process and then the anger will come out and the the proactiveness will come out but but I think a lot of people are in that stage at the moment it's interesting that you say that you're waiting for superman to come in and save us when it's actually all men up there isn't it (laughs) not a single woman doing anything useful if you talk about hitting with your baseball bat it almost seems like a mountain that, you know, I would never stop swinging. So let's move on and let me ask you an aspect of modern life that's making you fume. Uh, the absolute overwhelming need for everybody to reach these ridiculous standards, mm. these expectational uh, deadlines that are set that nobody can actually reach without harming your mental health or your physical health. Mm. Um, the 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 perfectionism, the social media, um, let's make everything look shiny and rosy. By all means, take the beautiful pictures and show the beautiful pictures because we all love to see them. But make sure you put in the caption, you know, what the reality behind that was. Um, remind everybody that, you know, I did this today, but the rest of my week did not look like this. Yeah. I needed three or four days on the other side of that with a social hangover or, you know, just to rest or to catch up on all the stuff I wasn't doing when I was putting pumpkins all over my house. Mm. <laughs> because that's the reality. That's a, do you know, because uh, I had about 14 people in my house yesterday for this lunch and I um, and today I can't imagine doing something like that again for a very long time. But if you look at my pictures of yesterday, it really paints a picture of... Yeah. Jen and I was talking about this, that this bohemian country life. With- <laughs> and it's so easy to, to mm. look at that when you don't know and think, oh, look yeah. at these people out there winning at all of this. And, yeah. but, you know, but we know what goes into that. So we assume that other people must know that as well. But it's important that we say it. Yeah. Because if some people are just completely overwhelmed by the enormity of what mm. they're not doing. Uh, you know, adds to that feeling of less than. So I would, you know... And again, it's that part of our own mind that you were saying that actually pings out and kind of gets projected onto somebody else and and imagines that because we're thinking, oh, they must be doing this and that, that they are. And also we can all have these conversations all the time. If I can speak about these 14 people having lunch and how I'm not going to see anybody in that kind of context, at least for another three months, then like you, there's a little bit of you that goes, oh yeah, 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 that's understandable. And then we can all talk about all these aspects. Yeah, in a much more honest, real way. Isn't it great to say, you know, I spent three days at the weekend preparing for this lovely little yes. that you're now enjoying the beautiful pictures of. And I want to share the beauty of it. And it was lovely. I want to show these lovely pictures and I want to show the beautiful food. And look at my decorations. Aren't they great? You can still have all the beautiful things and do the beautiful things. And be proud of them. We're not saying everybody should live in, you know, don't, don't do anything lovely because it's not real. 
just be real about the the process of, yes exactly you know, that not real about the process <laughs> um donna another quick fire i love our quick fire it's not very yes, quick is it? um <laughs> oh they're behaving me out your quick fires i'm like oh. <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It's good. good. Behavior of others which gets on your wick. People who cannot find kind things to say. Mm. People who will deliberately find something, even if it's what I call a jellyfish sting, if it's disguised and you almost think, did that just happen? Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. The worst. Women, women especially who do that to other women uh, really, really get my, they make. I just think, why would you choose to write that there or say that to this person who you can see? You know, why would you take that 10 seconds to your life and do something crap with it? Yes. I've done something that will grow in that person that they'll take, give it to somebody else, they'll take, give it, and you start a little chain of something that will ripple and grow positively. Mm. If you do it negatively, that's going to ripple and grow negatively and they're going to pass it to their friend. And it's just, you know, make better choices with the things that you say or do because what you're really doing is you're having a go at yourself because something within you... Again, it's, yeah, it comes back to that. ...something good that that person did or you know and you've gone oh that makes me feel a bit worse about myself therefore I'm going to make you feel yeah I'm going to attack but it's your responsibility that feeling you can feel it we all do Mm. but you have to it has to die with you and stay with you you can't pass it back well Donna you do the absolute opposite for all of us (laughs) and Let's exit our virtual rage room there and stay because I, I think all those things can safely stay in there. Yeah, I don't want to go back in there for a little while. <laughs> and let's please just end on, uh, both Jed and I are so grateful for all your beautiful words and I know how much they resonate with so many of us. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they're so powerful. Thank you so much. It was such a privilege to meet me. you. Thank you for, for inviting me and wanting me and having me. So was this conversation brought up for us? I thought it was so refreshing talking to Donna because as somebody that seems so elegant and uh, kind of dignified and put together, she just has this capacity for absolutely nailing really quite dark, painful realities. Yeah, she's a great lesson in exactly that, in that you can say less and you poise, yeah. poise. Love some of that, yeah. Isn't it? Mm. She's sort of yeah. 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 evolved. Yeah, let's aim for that, mm. you know. Okay, yeah, when we grow up. <laughs> See you on the other side. Yes. yes. Happy festive season. Happy festive season to you. Yeah. Thank you for listening and sharing in our anger. And remember, you're not mad to feel mad. Please like and subscribe. It helps other people find the podcast.